Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning into this podcast. You've made the best decision you could possibly make by tuning your ear to the Word of God. I would love to invite you to stay updated with us on Facebook and YouTube. You can find us at Revival House Church. Father, bless this person and let the seed of the Word multiply 30, 60, and 100 times over in Jesus' name. And so today, I'm going to get into part number four, is it God's will that I prosper? This is basically a series over the, the subject of prosperity in the Bible. I love this. I told, I don't know who I told, I said Friday or Saturday, I think it was Reagan, I said, I love preaching about prosperity. It's like one of my favorite things to preach about. I love it. I see it everywhere in the scripture. And so, we're, we've been answering that question. Can anybody answer it that's been here the, plas- the previous three Sundays? Is it God's will, according to the Bible, that you prosper on the earth? Yes. Irrefutably, frontwards, backwards, upside down, and sideways, you can say, according to the Scripture, it's irrefutable, right? We've just been giving irrefutable scriptural evidence that that's what the Bible teaches and that's what it says. And so, this morning, we're going to continue. I'm going to show you an angle of prosperity or an angle of the word that maybe many of you have never heard. And so today, I want to begin by talking about the blessing of the Lord. The blessing of the Lord. Turn your Bibles, if you have them, to Proverbs 10, 22. If you don't have them, it's okay. We have it on the screen. It says, the blessing of the Lord makes a person rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. The blessing makes a person rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. See, I want you to just begin to think about this. Whatever this blessing is, and we'll define that, what is the blessing of the Lord? Whatever it is, when a person gets it, guess what? It produces prosperity. People say, well, I don't, I don't really believe that. I don't really believe in prosperity. I don't like that, that message. I don't like people talking about that. Well, you can't deny, though, the Bible says that if you acquire whatever the blessing is, whatever it may be, if I acquire the blessing, I don't have to strive for prosperity. It produces. The blessing of the Lord makes a person rich and adds no sorrow to it. Can you say sorrow? Man, this right here will shake everything. If you grab a hold of it, that word sorrow, it's a Hebrew word that actually means, this is the definition, it means pain, it means hurt, it means toil, it means labor. Say labor. It means hardship. So that Hebrew word, it means pain, hurt, toil, labor, hardship. We could replace that word sorrow with all of those words. The blessing of the Lord makes a person rich, and he adds no pain with it. Look at this. The blessing of the Lord makes a person rich, and he adds no hurt with it. The blessing of the Lord makes a person rich, and he adds no toil with it. <laughs> the blessing of the Lord makes a person rich, and he adds no labor to it or with it. The blessing of the Lord makes a person rich, and he adds no hardship with it. Hallelujah. So basically, that's a fancy way of saying the blessing of the Lord makes a person rich without having to go through pain. It makes you rich without hurt. It makes you rich without having to toil to become rich. 
It makes you rich without having to labor to become rich. It makes you rich without having to go through hardship to become rich. Praise you, God. If you're taking notes, write this down. And while you're doing it, also turn your Bible to Genesis chapter 3. We're going to read verse 17 through 19. What is it saying right here in Proverbs 10? Essentially, it's saying this. The blessing brings you out from under the curse of Genesis chapter 3. I want you to write that statement down. The blessing brings you out from under the curse of Genesis 3.19. What is this curse in Genesis chapter 3? Let's read this. It says, and, the man, and to man he said, since you listened to your wife and ate from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat. So think about this in context. God made Adam. From Adam he made woman. He gave them very specific instructions. Don't eat from this tree. And I want you to understand this as well. Before Adam sinned, he lived in a perfect world. Before Adam sinned, there was no sickness. There was no disease. There was no hardship. There was no toil. As, you're, as you'll see here, he says, because you ate from the tree, the ground is cursed. Say curse because of you. Part of this curse, so when Adam sinned, this curse came on mankind, on humankind. Part of this curse, he says, all your life you will struggle, say struggle, to scratch a living from the ground or from it. It will grow thorns and thistles for you, for you will eat of its grains by the sweat of your brow. If you have your Bible open, I want you, if you have a highlighter, highlight that. By the sweat of your brow. You will have food to eat until you return to the ground from which you were made. You were made from dust, and it is to dust that you will return. So basically, part of the curse that came on Adam was Adam lived in this, in this world of, again, no labor, no hardship. Adam didn't have to struggle with the ground to make a living. You know that, that Adam acted as God. I know people don't realize this, but Adam wasn't out there sweating and having to toil up the ground and break his back to, to, to dig out rows and plant seed. No, Adam acted as God. How does God act when he creates or when he wants something? In the beginning, it said, what? There was the, the, God, the God was in the beginning. He created the heavens and the earth. And he said, what? Let there be light. And there was light. When he wanted the, the oceans, he spoke them into existence. When he wanted animals, he spoke them into existence. So Adam... In Psalms chapter 8, it talks about how Adam was made a little lower than God. And in Genesis, it says he was made in the likeness and in the image of God. Say the likeness of God. So basically, God created a person that was just like him. And in fact, in, in Psalms chapter 8, it says this. We'll probably turn here several times. I want you to see this. Psalms chapter 8. What are mere mortals that you should think about them? Human beings, say human beings. This is verse 4 through 8, that you should care for them. Yet you made them only a little lower than God. So it says God made human beings only a little lower than him and crowned them with glory and honor. You gave them charge. Who? Say human beings. 
You gave them charge of everything you made, putting all things under their authority. The flocks, the herds, the wild animals, the birds in the sky, the fish in the sea, and everything that swims in the ocean currents. So, guys, I want you to think God is the creator. He is the Lord. He's the most high God in all of existence in the entire universe. But then God makes this little planet called Earth, and what does he do? He makes someone just like him, that looks like him, that sounds like him, that is to operate just like he does, and he places him on the earth, and he says, the same way that I'm God over the universe, you are going to function in a delegated authority on the earth in that capacity. So guess what? I don't believe Adam was out there with a hoe and with forks and, 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 and different things. In fact, you know, the Bible says Adam named the animals. I don't think that Adam just named the animals. He gave them destiny. He told them what they were. You're a bird and you fly. And guess what? The thing started flying. You're a lizard, you need to crawl on the ground just like this. And by the word of Adam's mouth, God didn't name all of the animals and assign them. Adam did. Read, read the book of Genesis. So anytime Adam would have had a, had a need, he didn't have to, by the sweat of his brow and by, by the, the toil and by hardship and by labor, he didn't have to bring forth provision. He could just speak into existence anything that he needed. It wasn't until after the curse that God pronounced and said, it's all your life you'll struggle to scratch a living from this ground, and by the sweat of your brow you'll eat until you return to the ground from which you were made. So what does that actually tell you? That before the curse, he got to eat without having to sweat. <laughs> Amen. Everything just produced for him. Are y'all following me here? So let's think about this. The blessing of the Lord makes a person rich and adds no labor, no toil, no hardship. So basically what this passage is saying is that whatever this blessing is, when you get the blessing of the Lord, it actually brings you out from underneath that curse that was pronounced on mankind in Genesis chapter 3, 19. Hallelujah. The curse made man have to struggle to survive, struggle for provision. And let me tell you something. That's all that every, most people know. You're born into this earth, and what are you born? You're born just, man, I had to, people will sit here and tell you, I had to fight for everything that I have. I had to struggle for everything that I've had. And I can tell you that that's the truth in most cases. That's the reality. But that is how it operates, and that's how it works in a cursed system. So think about whatever the blessing is, when it comes upon your life, it, it restores you back to that place where you get to function like Adam functioned before the curse was pronounced on man. Hallelujah. And in fact, I mean, we could get into all of this, but the Bible teaches that Jesus became that curse. He took upon himself that curse, and by the blood of Jesus, we are removed from underneath that curse and restored back to Psalms chapter 8. Praise you, God. The blessing of the Lord pulls you out from underneath that curse. The blessing of the Lord pulls you out where you no longer fight to survive and sweat and toil for provision. 
This will radically change your life. The blessing of the Lord will pull you out where you no longer fight to survive and sweat and toil for provision. Did you know that as a Christian there's a way of life where you don't have to get to the end of the month and sit here and stress and worry, how am I going to pay my bills? How am I going to make it? Or you don't have to work all month long breaking your back, sweating, toil, laboring. So that you can just have a little bit of provision. There's a blessing that comes from God where it says all of that will be produced for you with no hardship, no labor, and no toil. Hallelujah. The blessing of the Lord makes you rich. Say rich. So it doesn't just say that God will kind of give you what you need. No, it says it will make you rich. Say rich. People say, well, what does it really mean when it says rich? The Hebrew word there that's used for rich, it literally means to become wealthy and to gain riches. So the blessing of the Lord will cause you to become wealthy without any pain, any toil, any labor or hardship in order to get it. Hallelujah. The blessing of the Lord will cause you to gain riches without any pain, toil, labor, or hardship to get it. It restores you back to how Adam lived before the curse. You know, we've always learned, make sure I'm not getting ahead of myself here. I may use this reference twice, but we've always learned Work harder. If you want something, you just need to work harder. Right? If you need more money, what do you need to do? You need to get more hours at work. Is that what everybody's been taught? Man, if you want your family to live in a nice house and you want your kids to eat good food and you want them to have nice clothes, what do you need to do? You need to work harder, work harder, work harder, work harder, work harder. That's true underneath a cursed system. But underneath the kingdom, it doesn't work that way. When you need more, you don't have to work harder. You can use your faith, and God will add it to you without any work at all. Hallelujah. This is is revolutionary to some people. It may be offensive to some people, but it's the absolute reality. Under the kingdom... Adam, if he needed, say, let's say in our situation, man, I need an extra $1,000 a month. So what does the world tell you? Well, I need to go and gain about 60 hours of overtime. I need to do all this stuff. I'm not going to get to see my kids this month. I need to work, 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 work. But under the kingdom, you can actually release your faith and walk in authority and call that money forth with no work at all. (laughs) I'm not telling you don't work hard. That's not what I'm saying. When you get the blessing, prosperity is a byproduct. Do you see that? The blessing of the Lord makes a person rich. Not you make yourself rich. The blessing comes on you. What's the byproduct of it? You will be made rich. You'll prosper. You will gain wealth and you will gain riches. That's what that Hebrew word means. So say the blessing causes prosperity. Okay, now look at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. I'm going to read it to you in the King James Bible. Blessed be God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who 
hath, the NLT says has. Is has past tense, present tense, or future tense? Past tense. Blessed be God who has blessed us, say blessed us, with all, say all, say all, all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. So basically what that scripture is saying is in Christ, God has given you every blessing there is to give. If it falls underneath the category of the blessing, when you receive Christ, you don't just get to go to heaven. He has blessed you with the blessing of the Lord. Hallelujah. Do you know that this blessing in Proverbs 10, the blessing of the Lord that makes a man rich and adds no sorrow to it, that is, a, that is what you receive. That's a piece of what you receive. When you receive Jesus Christ, that blessing came on your life. Whether you know it or whether you don't, it's a reality. Hallelujah. So here's my point. Write this down for number one this morning. According to the Bible, I have the blessing of the Lord. Anybody in here say, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ? Raise your hand if you would say, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. Well, if you have received Jesus Christ, then according to the word, you have received every spiritual blessing that God has to offer including the blessing of Proverbs 10, 22. <laughs> so according to the Bible, I have the blessing of the Lord. I'm going to tell you this. You need to change your confession. The Bible calls you blessed. So stop calling yourself cursed. If you're a Christian, please don't ever let me hear you talking like that. Man, everything's against me. It's just so hard. I don't know what I'm going to do. I just can't get ahead. I just can't this. I just can't that. Can I tell you, stop calling yourself cursed. You are blessed according to the scripture. Say, I'm blessed. So in Jesus, you have everything that falls underneath the blessing, whatever this blessing is, and we'll identify it in a moment. Say, I got the blessing. This is what Paul taught. Look at 2 Corinthians 1, 19 through 20. For Christ Jesus, the Son of God, does not waver between yes and no. He is the one whom Silas, Timothy, and I preach to you as God's ultimate yes. He always does what he says. And I'll let that statement sink into you right now. God always does what he says. He's not a man that he should lie or a man that he should change his mind, the Bible says. So guess what? If the scripture says it, you can take it to the bank. Amen. If God has said something about me in this word, I'm going to believe it, and there's no devil in hell that's going to convince me otherwise. If God said it, it's true. And guess what? God said I'm blessed with every spiritual blessing. Because he, he can't lie. It says, for all of God's promises have been. Say have been. How many of God's promises? All. All of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes. And through Christ, our amen, which means yes, ascends to God for his glory. There's so many people waiting on God, waiting on God to bless them, waiting on God to promote them, waiting on God to do this for them, waiting on God to bring them more provision, waiting on God. Can I tell you, all of his promises have, say have been. 
That's past tense. Have been fulfilled in Christ Jesus. God gave us everything in Christ. Can I tell you the promise? You're not waiting on a promotion. He already gave you a promotion. It's already available to you in Christ. Can I just offend a religious devil for a moment? You're not waiting on God to give you that house that you claim and that you desire. He's already given you all promises have been fulfilled in Christ. He's given you Christ. He's already given you his yes. So many people are waiting on God, waiting on God, waiting on God, and guess what? They never receive, they never achieve, and they never possess anything because they're waiting on God, and God's sitting up there saying, I gave you Jesus. I gave you a yes to everything that I've promised in the Bible. You can have it today, you can have it now, and you can grab a hold of it and do whatsoever you desire to do with it. Well, when the Lord's ready to promote me, he'll promote me. No, uh, no. God's blessed you with every spiritual blessing in Christ. It's a matter of getting a hold of the word of God and beginning to possess the land in which he's placed us. You're not called to be possessed. You're called to possess the land. Hallelujah. Take the land. The, the place that God's planted us in. Man, what if we believe the promises of God and said, you know what, I'm not going to just, maybe in 10 years the Lord will allow me to start a business. No, I have all of the promises of God fulfilled in Christ Jesus. I have every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. How about I just go to work and begin to put to work what the Bible says and possess the land in which God gave me. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You know, I'll tell you, I'll be vulnerable, and if, if, if you don't have the right ears to hear, this may be a shock to you. But I was looking at some things, and we've been spending this money, and it's been awesome what God's doing, the provision. And, and you know, I was looking at our church account recently, and I looked, and I said, Lord, that's good. You know, I like You've been faithful. You've blessed us. And I, I literally, I had this thought. I'm just telling you. I looked at, at this and I said, Lord, I'd really like to have $50,000 in this church account. And the Holy Ghost immediately spoke to me. And he said, the reason you don't have $50,000 in that church account is not because I don't want you to have it. It's because you haven't been operating in your authority properly. And it began to change everything because, again, we just kind of, we just wait for God to bring this, to bring that. He said, no, I've already brought it. I've already opened up, and opened up the spigot of heaven. When you receive Christ, when I poured my spirit out, I've given you everything. Now, we are to be like the three servants that Jesus taught in the parable. He gave them talents, and then what did he do? He let them go to work and multiply them. You don't read in the parable of the three talents in Matthew chapter 25, the three servants, where the master gave them talents, and a year later he gives them a little bit more, and then the servant goes and has to pray, and then, okay, the master hears the prayer and comes and gives them more. No, he gave them the talents, and he went away, and they had the responsibility to multiply what God gave them. They could have multiplied it five times over. They could have multiplied it ten times over. Guess what? They could have multiplied it a hundred times over. It all depended upon the person and what they were willing to do with what God gave them. Come on, somebody, this morning. Hallelujah. 
You know, I'll think about think about this. This may this again, this may be offensive, but it's true. The Lord said this to me the other day. He said, if you received $5,000, you would thank me for it. You would say, Lord, thank you for giving me this $5,000. And he said, you would be doing it wrongfully. That's, he said, you you're actually need to change the way that you think about that. Because he said, I didn't give you the $5,000. I gave you Christ. Because guess what? In Christ, guess what you have? $5,000. And guess what you have in Christ? A million dollars. And guess what you have in Christ? The blessing of the Lord that makes a man rich and adds no sorrow, hardship, toil, or labor to it. He said, I didn't just give you. Because the thing is, if you just think, well, God's going to give me this and he's going to give me, you're just sitting back and waiting instead of realizing that he has given us, he has fulfilled every promise in Christ. And it totally changed the way that I thought because I said, wait a second. He said, I didn't give you the $5,000. I gave you Christ. And I said, well, hallelujah, that means I don't got to wait to praise you because I got Christ today and I got Christ right now. Hallelujah. I have the blessing. I have the source that produces it. Amen. So according to the Bible, I have the blessing of the Lord, Ephesians 1.3. Say it. Say, I have the blessing of the Lord in Jesus And this is simply restating what I said, but part of what we received in Christ is that he has pulled us out from under the curse where we prosper without pain, toil, labor, or hardship to get it. Amen. While I'm in Psalms, wow, John, that seems a little bit extreme. Bible says in Psalms 23, David said, the Lord's my shepherd, I shall not want. He lets me rest in green meadows, leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength along right paths. He honors his, bringing honor to his name. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid. Though you're close beside me, your rod and staff comfort and protect me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Look at this. Surely goodness, surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. So did David said he pursued after goodness or did goodness pursue after him? David said, I don't go chasing after good things. Guess what? They come chasing after me is what David said. Why? Because he had the blessing of the Lord. That makes a man rich and adds no sorrow to it. The blessing chases you down. You don't have to chase it down. Hallelujah. What if we could flip and think, we think work, work, work. I need to work harder. I need to do this. I need to sweat. I need to toil. I need to labor in order to achieve this dream and achieve the things that God's put in my heart to do. What if it was totally flipped and you became a person where those things were coming at you faster than you could know what to do with them? Hallelujah. Brother James says, hallelujah. Got a testimony for you guys here at the end of service. I have some advice for you this morning. Change the way that you think. Stop thinking from a slave cursed position. Stop thinking like a slave. Stop thinking like a person that lives underneath the curse that was pronounced in Genesis chapter 3. 
Proverbs 23, 7 says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Say, so is he. So the Bible says, whatever you think in your heart, that's what you are. That's what you're going to be. Why is it that Jesus did all these wonderful things and all these promises in the Bible, but yet you still have so many Christians that are slaves because they're a slave in their heart? So guess what? Even though Christ did all of this stuff, as you think in your heart, it doesn't say as God wants you to be, so you'll be. As God desires for you to be, so you'll be. No, as you think in your heart, so you'll be. So is he. Romans 12, 2, don't copy the customs of this world. Let God transform you. Listen to this. Let God transform you into a new person. How does he do that? By changing the way that you think. Man, I, 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 I just don't, I, I'm not seeing this. I'm not tasting this. I'm not experiencing these things. You need to change the way that you think. You need to stop thinking like a slave. And you need, not, you need to stop thinking like a person under the curse. And you need to get in the kingdom. Then you will learn to know what God's will is for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. I want you to say the blessing. Number two, so this morning I told you I want to talk to you about the blessing. So we read over Proverbs 10.22, the blessing of the Lord makes a man rich and adds no sorrow to it. Well, I want to talk to you about another specific blessing in the Bible. Number two, write this down. I have the blessing of Abraham. I have the blessing of Abraham. Again, this is another specific blessing in the Scripture. What is the blessing of Abraham? But first, where do we get that? Galatians chapter 3, verse 9. Paul said, so all who put their faith in Christ share the same blessing Abraham received because of his faith. So when you put your faith in Christ, you receive the same blessing Abraham received. Let me tell you something. You should start thinking. I guess it's pretty important that I figure out what that blessing Abraham received was then. Because whatever it was, apparently when I received Christ, I got the same thing. Galatians 3.14, through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles. Any Gentiles in this room? You say, what's a Gentile? If you're not a Jew, if you're not Jewish, by blood, you're a Gentile. I'm pretty sure that's about everybody in the room. God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing he promised to Abraham so that we or who believers might receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. Hallelujah. So let's really answer this question. Here's the question. Uh, we've received the same blessing of Abraham, so the question should be this. What was the blessing Abraham received? Obviously, we understand if you've studied Scripture, you know Abraham was made righteous by faith. Yes, we receive righteousness by faith. I want to say that, but there was more to the blessing than just righteousness by faith. I'm going to show you through the Scripture. So the first picture we have of Abraham, we need to follow a paper trail here. To understand this blessing, we've received the same blessing as Abraham. Genesis 12, 1 through 3. The Lord said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives, your father's family, and go to the land I will show you. I'll make you into a great nation. 
I'll bless you. Say bless you. I'll make you famous. You will be a blessing to others. This is a part of a blessing. I'll bless you. I'll make you famous. Say famous. People think famous. They think Justin Bieber, you know, somebody on the American Idol, whatever. That's not necessarily what it means. What it basically means is God says, I will, I, I will give you a place among men. I'll make you famous in a community. How will I do that? If you'll humble yourself, I'll exalt you, and I'll put you in a position of honor among other men. He said, I'll bless those who bless you, and I'll curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families of the earth will be blessed. Let me just tell you, I'll bless those that bless you, and I'll curse those that treat you with contempt. Another version says, I'll curse those that curse you. I hear Christians cry about the craziest thing. Brother John, can you pray? I had a witch that pronounced a curse over me. I say, man, that just became the worst day in that witch's life, the day she prayed a curse over me. Why? Because I got the blessing of Abraham, and part of that blessing is if you curse me, God will curse you. Hallelujah. <laughs> People don't think like that. They're running around like Christian ghostbusters, scared of the devil. A witch cursed me. Man, there's not enough. Which power on the planet? Jesus said, greater is the spirit who is in you than the spirit that's in this world. I'll bless you. I'll make you famous. You will be a blessing to others. Guess what? You have to be blessed to be a blessing to others. You can't give if you don't have anything to give. But it's actually the opposite because Christians aren't taught what I'm telling you right now, so they never, you know, I don't really believe that most Christians are just bad and they reject the word and they want nothing to do with it. I genuinely believe what the Bible says, it's for a lack of knowledge people perish. This isn't being taught to people, so people don't even have the vision to receive it. They don't even know that they can live a different life on this earth. And most Christians, they're not a blessing to others. They're, they're, I mean, really, they're the one trying to get blessed by others all the time. Which there's, I mean, listen, I don't know where you're from, where you're at. I'm not saying that to demean anybody, but what I'm telling you is that there's so much more than just heaven that God offers to you. The Bible talks about God. It says literally, he'll take you from the dunghill and he'll set you among princes. Has set you in a palace. God doesn't just have a plan for you in heaven. He's got a plan for us on the earth, for our prosperity. And he gave it to us in Jesus. So guess what? If I have Jesus, I already have all of those promises. I've got to access them. I've got to see them. Once I see them, I can have it. If I can see it, I can have it. But first, I've got to see it before I can have it. Most people can't have it because they don't see it. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Basically, what does that mean? Romans 10, 17. Faith comes when you hear the word of God because when the word of God's being preached to you like I'm preaching to you right now, your mind should begin to open and you could say, I see something that I've never seen before and now I see it. I can't unsee it. And now that I see it, I'm going to have it. Amen. Praise God. So, so he says... Genesis 12, the Lord says, I'll bless you, I'll make you famous, I'll do all of this for you, Genesis 13. Next chapter, Abram left, he said, go. Abram left from Egypt. 
he and his wife and all that he had, and Lot was with him to the south. And I love this detail the Bible puts in here. Abram was very rich. Say very rich. In livestock, in silver, and in gold. Abram was, he wasn't just okay. He was very rich in livestock, in silver, and in gold. Let's ask a question. Why was Abram rich? Because God blessed him. And guess what happens when God blesses you? The blessing of the Lord makes a man rich and adds no sorrow to it. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. I hope that your mind begins to to begin to turn because the Bible says again in Galatians 3, we have the same blessing that God put on Abram, on Abraham. (laughs) Hallelujah. I want to show you something that will just put the nail in the coffin even more here. We're going to end the service this morning. Follow this paper, paper trail with me here. We're going to turn a few places, but write this down. God made a covenant of blessing with Abraham. God made a covenant of blessing with Abraham. Genesis 12, 7. Then the Lord appeared to Abram. This was right after he called him, said, leave, go, I'll bless you. I'll bless those that bless you. I'll curse those that treat you with contempt. Later, he appears to him and he says, I'll give this land to your descendants. Say descendants. And Abram built an altar there and he dedicated it to the Lord who had appeared to him. You're going to see this. The blessing that God promises to Abraham, he said, not only am I going to do it to you, I'm going to do it to your seed. I'm going to do it to your descendants. I'm making a covenant with you that I'm going to honor in the generations that come after you because of what I'm doing with you today. All right, so Genesis 17, 4 through 7. This is my covenant with you. Listen, this is my covenant with you. I will make you the father of a multitude of nations. What's more, I'm changing your name. It will no longer be Abram. Instead, you are called Abraham. For you will be the father of many nations. Guys, can I tell you, if you get the vision, you have that same blessing. I'm going to pause right there. You have nations on the inside of you. I just really can't see myself running a business. How? When you have nations on the inside of you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. People don't have what God wants them to have. The the reason people don't do anything is because their vision is so small. So he says, I will make you extremely fruitful. They say extremely fruitful. Part of this covenant, God said, something's going to come on your life, and I'm going to make you extremely fruitful. Not just with kids, because in all actuality, if you read, Abraham didn't have all that many children, but his children had lots of children, and his children's children had lots and lots of children, and Abraham became the father of nations through his descendants. But yet he was extremely fruitful in every way. As we just read, he was very rich in livestock, silver, gold. One part of the story of Abraham is he's debating with Lot, his nephew. They go to this land, and they said, man, this land, we can't both keep our estate on this same piece of land because we got too much. We got too many cows, too many servants. There's not enough land to hold us both. So we need to split up in two different directions. And he said, Lot, which one do you want? Lot went and picked the beautiful pasture the green rolling hills, Abraham said, I'll take whatever's left. Abraham goes over there, a couple tumbleweeds rolling around. But before long, 
It was a land overflowing with milk and honey. Why? Because God promised him that he would make him extremely fruitful. Your descendants will become many nations and kings will be among them. And then he says this, I'll confirm my covenant with you and then the descendants after you. From generation to generation, this is my everlasting covenant. I will always be your God and the God of your descendants. Say descendants. After you. So we're, turn your Bible now real quick to Deuteronomy chapter 7. I'm about done this morning. So he's making this promise to his descendants that are coming after him. So God actually appears later in the story, in the timeline, to Abraham's descendants and begins to pull on that covenant that he made with Abraham. So write this down. So first we said God made a covenant of blessing with Abram. Write this down. Israel was blessed because they were descendants of Abraham. We see this in Deuteronomy 7, 7 through 15. You may say, John, this seems random. No, I'm going to show you something that should just really bless you here. Look at verse 7 of Deuteronomy 7. The Lord did not set his heart on you and choose you because you were more numerous than all other nations. For you were the smallest of all nations. So number one, God says to Israel, you're not special because you're the biggest and the best. Rather, it was simply that the Lord loves you, and he was keeping an oath that he had swore to your ancestors. Who was their ancestors? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the covenant that God made with Abraham. Okay? That's why the Lord rescued you with such a strong hand from your slavery and from your oppressive hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Did you know that God rescued Israel out of Egypt because of the covenant he made with Abraham? Wow. Understand, therefore, that the Lord your God is indeed God. He is a faithful God who keeps his covenant for a thousand generations and lavishes his unfailing love on those who love him and obey his commands. He does not hesitate to punish and destroy those who reject him. Therefore, we must obey the commands, decrees, and regulations I'm giving you today. He says this, If you listen to these regulations and faithfully obey them, the Lord your God will keep his covenant. Say covenant. That was the covenant he made with Abraham. He'll keep his covenant of unfailing love with you, as he promised, with an oath to your ancestors. See that? What was this covenant? He will love you. He'll bless you. He'll give you many children. He'll give you fertility in the land and with your animals. When you arrive in the land, he swore to your ancestors, you will have large harvests of grain. Say large harvests of grain. New wine. Say new wine. Olive oil and great herds of sheep and cattle and goats. You will be blessed above all the nations of the earth. None of your men and women will be childless. Your livestock will bear young, and the Lord will protect you from all sickness. Say all sickness. For he will not let you suffer the terrible diseases you knew in Egypt, but he will inflict them on your enemies. So guess what? All of that was because of the covenant God made with Abraham. Did you see that? Turn real quick now to Deuteronomy 28. Let's tie this together. So God appears to Israel, and he's drawing. He said, I made this covenant with your ancestors, Abraham, so I'm going to bless you. I'm going to give you large harvest, new wine. I'm going to remove all sickness and disease from among you. You're going to prosper and flourish and be extremely fruitful. 
So he actually continues this in Deuteronomy 28. Again, he's pulling on this covenant that he made with Abraham. He says, if you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully keep his decrees and commands I'm giving you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the world. You will experience these blessings. Say blessings. Guess what? Ephesians 1.3, we have all spiritual blessings in Christ in the heavenly realms. Say blessings. Well, all of the things I'm about to read falls underneath blessing. If you obey the Lord your God, look at this. This was part of God's covenant with Abraham. Your towns, your fields will be blessed. Your children, your crops will be blessed. The offsprings of your herd and flocks will be blessed. Your fruit baskets and breadboards will be blessed. Wherever you go and whatever you do will be blessed. Hallelujah. I told you I believe every believer should rise to the top of their occupation. That if you don't have vision, you say, I don't like my company enough to rise to the top, then you need to pray about switching jobs. Because if you're a believer, you are marked by the blessing of God, and you should have your vision set to the top. Because he said, I'll bless you wherever you go, whatever you do will be blessed. The Lord will guarantee a blessing on everything you do. He'll fill your storehouses with grain. Praise you, God. The Lord your God will bless you in the lands he's giving you. If you obey the commands of the Lord your God and walk in his ways, the Lord will establish you as his holy people as he swore. Who did he swear to? Abraham. Then all the nations of the world will see that you're a people claimed by the Lord, and they'll stand in all of you. The Lord will give you prosperity. Say prosperity. In the land he swore to your ancestors to give you, blessing you with many children, numerous livestock, and abundant crop. The Lord will send rain at the proper time from his rich treasury in the heavens and will bless all the work that you do. Say, all the work that I do. You will lend to many, but you'll never need to borrow from them. Thank you, Lord, for that realization. Christians aren't going to have to run to banks to go get loans. No, you're going to buy houses in cash because you ain't going to need anything from the world. If you listen to the commands of the Lord your God, I'm giving you today, and if you carefully obey them, the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. This is a part of the blessing of Abraham, the head and not the tail. Say the head, head. not the tail. You will always be on top, say on top, never at the bottom. But you must not turn away from any of the commands I'm giving you today, nor follow after other gods and worship them. Okay, so here's my point. This was a result of the covenant God made with Abraham. This was a continuation. So basically what we just read in Deuteronomy 7 and Deuteronomy 28 was something that God pronounced over Israel because they were the descendants or the seed of Abraham. Right? You see that clearly? Turn your Bible now to Galatians chapter 3. We're going to end with this, 26 through 29. Galatians 3, 26 through 29, it says, For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Say faith. All who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham, you are his heirs, and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. Come on, somebody. So those promises that we just read in Deuteronomy 7 
In Deuteronomy 28, that God promised them because they were the seed of Abraham, the Bible says when you put your faith in Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. And everything that God promised to them now belongs to you, and it belongs to me. Hallelujah. Guess what that means? Part of Deuteronomy 28, I will give you prosperity in the land that I swore to your ancestors. Come on. Is it God's will that I prosper? It's a covenant, blood-bought right and privilege that Jesus purchased that I prosper. Hallelujah. Well, does God really, what, what does God really want from me? You are always the head and never the tail, always above and never beneath. Galatians 3.29 in the New King James. If you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed or the descendants of Abraham. And heirs according to the promise. Say heirs. Heirs, that's like a rich man that has a huge business, a huge estate, and, and he dies and he leaves it to you. What are you? You're the heir of that estate. You're the heir to that business. We're heirs according to the promises that God gave to Abraham. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Write this final thing down. Now that I'm in Christ, say, now that I am in Christ, the blessings of Deuteronomy 7 and 28 belong to me. I want you to say these three things. Say this. Say, I have every spiritual blessing. Say, I have the blessing of Abraham. Say, I have the blessing of promised to Abraham's seed. My last thing is this. Change the way that you see life. Hallelujah. Lord, bless them for being hearers of the word in Jesus' name. If you would like to sow a seed or partner with this work that the Lord is doing, check out the description of this podcast or go to www.rhctx.com forward slash give. You can find all the ways to give on that page. Thank you so much for tuning into this podcast. Until next time, this is John Wallace.